0: Right, hello and welcome. Oh, Simon, you put me off there, son. Sorry. Sorry, mate. We'll go again. Right, hello, and welcome back to another Villa Tour podcast. It feels like it's been it's been a while. I'm your host, Max Stokes, joined as ever by Simon Lyon. Simon, how are you, mate? A little bit rusty. It's been a while, isn't it? It has
1: been a little while. I think the last one we did was us uh, sitting in Central Park, wasn't it? So. Uh, very, oh, that's sad. Very, very different vibes, but I'm not too bad, yeah, I'm
0: not too bad. Uh, all all good after a win, uh, win yesterday. Good, good, yeah, I've had a busy day. I've been down in uh, London recording some sort of advert for TNT. There was a load of uh, other fans there as well. I believe it's an advert... For obviously, they cover the European games, don't they? Like the Conference League, mm. Europa League. Um, so there was Liverpool fans there, West Ham, Brighton, and of course a couple of Villa fans as well. Uh, I haven't told you this actually, but there was <laughs> one of the uh, Brighton fans made a funny comment. I think one of the Villa guys when he was doing his bit was wearing a you know the navy 1996 away yeah. shirt, the AST one, mm. and she was like. Is that your new away shirt for the new season? Oh I was like, gosh. no, that's that's the 1996 shirt. I was like, I wish that was our away shirt because it's proper nice. Was she, being, <laughs> was she being? Was she being serious? Like <laughs> yeah, a proper,
1: yeah, a proper old retro jersey. She thought it was like now.
0: Nah. You could tell as well. Imagine if she like touched it as well. She could. I mean, the material from like yeah. 1996 to today's material is a little bit different, isn't it? But yeah, that may be. I was gonna <laughs> say. I was. I was gonna say it would really make you sweat
1: if it was uh, today's jersey. But then again, I don't think our uh, our current Castor stuff is. Uh, uh, is a lot better this season. Have you seen how like they're all sweating the players? Like yeah, that's saw, mental
0: isn't it? I saw something yesterday as well where they said they changed the shirts at half time and they're still just as bad at full time. Like I don't get it. <laughs> I don't understand it. Like you've got the like you've got a shirt from this season. But you haven't got the, the player issue like right. actual shirt that you can pay upwards of hundred quid for. So I don't know whether like it has the same impact on the shirt. Obviously from this season that you've got, mm. it's just ridiculous. It looks daft, doesn't it? Especially when it's claret and like at the end of the game, it looks like closer to black. It's ridiculous. Do you know what it is though? It kind of feels cheap though. I think
1: like when I was mm. in the Villa shop a few weeks ago. Um, well, no, a couple of weeks ago, yeah. And uh, I was having a look at the shirts, and I was just looking like, at the difference between like the you know like the the fan version of the shirt and the the pro version of the shirt. And you know how like under. Kappa, it was like Skin tight, like you could barely get it Mm. over your head. With Castor, it's not like that. Like, like you can, anyone can wear like the pro version. It doesn't. It's not like it's not like skin tight. If you know what I mean, it's quite like it's just like normal. But it feels like really cheap, to be honest with you. Really like, really like baggy as well. I think I said that to you, didn't I? When the when the away shirt was released while we were in America, I said like, why are all like the player shirts like look like the shirts like really baggy? I think there's something off this season. I I don't, I don't get it. It's, It's, I don't think like the the shape of the shirt looks right, and then it's make, making the players look terrible when they're sweating. I mean, I saw that interview
0: with John McGinn, and he looked like someone had just yeah. poured a bucket of water over him. <laughs> it's just daft. It feels like it's a bit of a lottery every season, doesn't it, in mm. terms of the sizing and what sort of material you're going to get. Even, like, the consistency with the same brand, Castor, like last season's shirts compared to this season. There's even a difference there in that score. I mean, we're going off on on a massive tangent. We really are. But yeah, it just sparks that sort of debate because it is weird. Anyway, if you haven't already checked out the video from the weekend, please go and do that again. A pretty successful one. Nice to get off to a a winning star in our first game at Villa Park in the season after a pretty disappointing uh, first game of the season, obviously away from home at St. James's Park. We didn't do a podcast after that, not just because we got battered. Various things came up. Timings didn't quite happen. So that's why there wasn't a podcast uh, after the Newcastle game. We are going to get back into the rhythm of it though. Um, I was going to say every Monday but because we play it seems like every Sunday now because of all the conference league and all the shifting around whatever, hopefully we'll do it like the day after a game and it will come out the day after that. So where, if we play on a Saturday podcast will come out on a Monday. If we play on the Sunday obviously most of the time. Hopefully uh, it will be out on the Tuesday. So uh, yeah, we are back on the grind of podcasts uh, going forward so do stay tuned. Right then, let's talk about our day at Villa Park then. It was good to be back wasn't it? I mean we watched the, um, the Women's World Cup final in the Windsor in town, didn't we didn't get off to the uh, the best start of the day with uh, obviously the Lionesses losing to Spain. You uh, were moaning about how ill you are during that whole match as well. So how how actually are you, Simon? Are you recovering from your uh, illness? You said to me, which made me laugh actually, that you still feel like you haven't recovered from the America trip. Honestly, yeah, okay? honestly,
1: it's but <laughs> I'm no, I'm fine. But it, it does. It feels like uh, since America, I've just been trying to catch up on. I don't know what it is, whether it's just like literally jet lag, or whether I've been trying to catch up. Mm. I've been trying to catch up on sleep, and I think I'm caught up on sleep now. It's been it's been weeks, but um, <laughs> three weeks. I don't know. I've had like a <laughs> sore throat. I lost my voice just before we went to uh, Valencia, and that's why nobody could hear me on the video. It wasn't because I was drunk. <laughs> actually, it was because um, I literally couldn't talk because I'd, I'd lost my voice. Um, and then <laughs> I've ended up having a cold as well, which uh, and, and that's why I felt so rough yesterday. But I'm actually feeling a lot better today. So um, yeah. Which would, that's the end of my uh, weird summer, sort of illness, isn't it? Back in the back in the groove of Villa season, I'm
0: fighting fit, sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. Always in the wars, isn't you? Um But I just yeah, want to talk about... It's like a teen, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're fitting in with the whole Villa brand at the moment with being injured all the time. There's always something wrong with you, isn't there? I just want to talk a little bit about well, my personal experience of Villa Park yesterday. There's loads of talk about the terrace view and people's experience. I know you won't have too much to say on this because obviously you're in the upper north and that's a whole different kettle of fish. You were saying yesterday that if you you had your own issues yesterday, how, how was your experience then? Because you say it every time, but just the upper north. I've never been in there. I'm actually going in there for the first time uh, for the Hibs home leg, so I'm looking forward to seeing what you have to put up with every week. Well, it was it was same old really.
1: I mean, I, I got to the stadium later than I usually would yesterday. Obviously, because we we'd been watching the women's game in town, hadn't we? And so uh, we didn't. I didn't rock up to the stadium until about twenty minutes before kickoff, which is quite rare for me. And so I never mm. experienced this before. But you, you we, I, I approached the north stand Upper, and you got you know you got that big ramp leading from like the car yeah. you know, the Villa Village car park up to the. Well, it was just chockery people. There was no sort of like formed queues at all. There was just crowds of people all trying to get in like the four or five turnstiles there, and so that took a good. I don't know, a good ten, fifteen minutes to get in, um, and then it was just, ju- it's just same old. If you, if you're looking to get a drink or you're looking to go to the toilet, then it's pretty difficult to be honest with you. With the North Stand upper, it's there's people standing everywhere. Like it, it's that bad. There's no the, the room in the concourse is that bad that people end up congregating on the stairs, um, drinking on the stairs, which is. So I can only imagine what a fire hazard that is. Um, mm-hmm. But but yeah, at, at halftime, time like my my brother left uh, to go and grab a drink. About it was just as the um, just before the fourth official put his board up, and as you know, it was no, uh, nine minutes added on time at the end of the first half. Um, and so I literally left as the referee blew his whistle to go meet my brother downstairs and by the time I got downstairs remember this was about 11-12 minutes after he just left his seat he was still in the queue so, and, it, and as, as I say wouldn't you get a drink or wouldn't you get whatever rubbish food offering there is in the North Stand I mean <laughs> you can only you can only have a sausage roll and that's basically it to be honest with you but a sausage mm. roll or a bag of crisps Um so if you're fussy the North Stand's not the not the place you want to be I mean I don't normally buy anything but um it was just yesterday it was quite warm I just fancied a drink Um but yeah it was just a nightmare so once you finally get through the queue and buy, buy your drink or whatever you've bought there's just nowhere to stand either so yeah i i can't wait until the north stands upgraded i really can't because i just especially this season i mean paying a premium price for it this season paying yeah. my sense is 200 pound more this season than it was last season um and that's apparently because of the view well, okay the view's pretty good but you know, the the, the facilities is like you're stuck, stuck back in the 70s kind of thing. It's just, it's really, it's not fit for purpose. And we all know that. that's why we're getting a new stand. So, nothing new to me, but yeah, just prepare yourself because it isn't the lap of luxury in the North Stand.
0: Yeah, I am looking forward to it. Like I said, I mean, I've sat in the North Stand once and that was oh, in the Championship against Preston ages and ages ago and that was in the lower as well. So, I'm looking forward to seeing what you have to put up with week in, week out because I've heard you moan quite a bit about how the facilities are pretty terrible in the Upper North. So, I'm looking forward to that but i'll just talk a little bit about my experience then everybody's heard about the terrace view and that sort of thing and i sit in k4 near the back um and going into my well before i even got in the ground you could see sort of the terrace view because they have this obviously the terrace outside um in the whole end sort of overlooking the car park (laughs) it made me laugh there was like two wispy trees that i guess they tried to make it look a little bit fancy there was people outside it looked okay um but once you got inside it was like I, I can't explain, like it was just so much tighter because two massive white walls had gone up. There was so many less places for, for me to grab a drink or grab some food compared to last year. Like last year it was, it was great and obviously it hasn't been upgraded since the 90s, whatever. But you could walk from K1 to K6 if you wanted to, I think, I believe anyway. Like I've never gone that far, but it was all open. You could walk along. There was plenty of places to go if you wanted to. Obviously there's two tiers as well. But yesterday, the two big white walls have gone up, obviously, to block off the terrace view. So after all that, there's actually less places to grab a drink. And it's like, well, what was the point of this in the first place? I remember... They obviously sent out this survey, didn't they? Asking fans what they wanted. But that was pretty pointless. I think we all, Villa knew what they were going to do before they sent out that survey. That was pointless. You're telling me that the terrace view is what they got from that survey? Absolutely not. So after all that, we're now paying more money for our season ticket for actually less facilities and less, well, that's for the standard fan anyway, unless you pay more and get the terrace view. Don't get me wrong, the terrace view looks great. And if, you know, I'm not having to go at the fans. If they want to pay that and go in there, that's absolutely up to them. It's just my opinion that I'm having to go at the club here that I don't, this is just an opinion as well i don't think you should touch the whole end in terms of corporate offerings i think we're getting this new north stand that's going to have loads and loads of corporate your money's going to be in there it's going to be a great money maker on a corporate side of things that's coming in a couple of years you've got the trinity obviously there's loads in there as well it's just i I just don't think the whole end should be touched and my experience as a bog-standard season ticket holder who has paid a lot of money this season. Again, my season ticket price has gone up a hell of a lot over the last couple of years. It's just, it, it annoyed me a little bit yesterday. And just little things as well, like when you sat there waiting for your beer and you're looking and you can see, like, bare brick and it looks like a construction site. The floor as well, there's, like, paint streaks everywhere. And I know it's little things. It's just like, it just it you know, this is the first game of the season and everything looks like it's still a little bit off. Uh, I don't know, mate. That's just an opinion anyway. Like, I'd like to hear what other people... what other people's experiences were like in the whole end yesterday. I just, it it didn't it didn't feel right to me. I think it's that
1: attention to detail for me as well. It's like, I think it, it kind of annoys me when you, you you come to Villa Park for the first game of the season and and um and, and like it just feels like nothing's finalised, it's finished. Like like from obviously where I was sitting, you know, you're looking towards the whole tendon. you obviously got the terrace you can see the terrace view thing and then the they've got the new disabled section in front of it, which mm. I understand the club have to have to comply with regulations about more disabled areas at Villa Park. I know we haven't had a lot in the past. And so I get it, I understand it, but it's like they haven't even, they haven't even like finished like crossing the T off or moving like the other letters in the whole tent to make it look pretty, do you know what I mean? Like is that really that difficult to do? And then the stuff about where you guys sit with the rail seating just non-existent Mm. completely. Um, And there's a few other bits, just just a few other bits that you walk around the ground and you think, they could have done that. It wouldn't have taken too much for them to have done that. And I I think Mm. when you're paying I when you're paying a, a good amount of money, and as you just said about like a building site, you know, big breeze blocks and big like concrete walls and stuff like that, and you just think, couldn't they have, couldn't they have, you know, spruced that up before the before the start of the season? Did we, did we really need to start, you know, like what well, one game out of nineteen for us on our season ticket, and you've had to endure? You know the place looking like a you know a bit of a dive. In, in all honesty, mm. um, and I and I and I think and I think what you said there about the facilities, you know, needing an upgrade, and now we feel like we've gone backwards. We pay more for our season tickets, and yet we've got less facilities. I think that's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. And um, and you're right. And I, we were talking. To, I was talking to somebody at the pub yesterday, weren't we, about the the facilities in the whole tend they haven't been upgraded since the stand was built in ninety four, ninety five, whenever it was. And so if they desperately need an upgrade and the thing is what the terrace view offers, a lot of it is what we should be expecting anyway, without having a bolt on to our well, yeah. Like mm-hmm. all you all you want is pretty modern and up to date facilities for the price you're paying. Look, you clearly do so much the whole tens a, a stand that was built in ninety four, ninety five. 95. You, you're not gonna turn it into a stand like you get at Tottenham, you're not gonna turn it like that. It's yeah. impossible. But you can still offer basic decent facilities for people um and i think that's just really really lacking and i i kind of feel like that in the north stand though it's like we talk about how old the stand is and and it is it's is totally and yeah you know, that one was built in the 70s we're talking about basic facilities there Basic basic facilities like surely they could offer more than just a sausage roll in the north stand. What's the what? <laughs> I don't really understand what the issue is, and I just think it's those little things that we seem to miss at the villa. And uh, and like for instance, like yesterday, are oh, the Holt suites out of out of action. Yeah, something else. Some why time. though? You, you knew in the first home game the season was, and and I, and I and I get it. They generate revenue over the summer by having Pink and Bruce Springsteen on and the the motorcycle championships, whatever it was. That's that's fine, and I get it generates income for the football club, but. But it, all, but it shouldn't
0: have an impact on us paying £800 for a season ticket. Like, do it, fair enough. You need to get revenue, I don't care. But it shouldn't impact us at all. It always
1: just feels like we're waiting for something to be finished, sort of thing. And it kind of, cons- mm. it, I'm not going to lie, it kind of concerns me thinking ahead to when this North Stand does eventually get built. So yeah. I just think, like, if we can't get the little things right, like in terms of installing the rail seats when it should be or painting a wall when it Everyone knows it needs to be, or cleaning cleaning the floors, like you said in the whole turn. I just worry about the, the like the overall building of a new stand. To be honest, so I just think it's a little bit disappointing, isn't it? I think at the moment it feels like we're getting so much right on the pitch. We, you know, we've got a good side, we're a really top manager, um, and a good structure in place. But it just feels like off the pitch, it feels a little bit left to be desired at the moment, doesn't it? In terms of just the, the really basic things, which. Which make our experience going going to to the villa, and so you just hope with you know Chris Hex sort of finding his feet, getting his feet under the table, things uh,
0: things start to improve on on that front, really. Yeah, and it it is the basic things. And look, did it ultimately ruin my day? Of course not. It's just the fact that my season ticket has gone up so much, and in a difficult time for everybody financially, whatever they're putting the prices up, and their excuses to back the manager, whatever, whatever. But it's it's just, it's just the little things that just annoy me a little bit. The safe standing thing as well, that's ridiculous. That is absolutely ridiculous. I remember getting, if, if people don't know as well, at the back of the upper halt where there's a persisting standing issue. They were going to put safe standing up there, rail seats, whatever. Like the majority of away stands have got, we go most places. Newcastle last week, they had it for the first time. That was a good experience. It doesn't take a lot. And I remember getting a message about it at the start of June or earlier than that when the season ticket renewals was going on, whatever. They said, yeah, you're in a location where safe standing is going to come in. We're going to give you a little bit of a window if you want to move, if you're not a fan of that, whatever. Great. That was really good. I was looking forward to, to coming to Everton and I was expecting safe standing. So as a fan who's, who's bought a season ticket and a safe standing seat and to have no communication that that's not happened or is it even in the plans because when are they going to do it now because you've got a maximum of two weeks before we're at Villa Park again. So is that is that just off? It's just... There's been no communication. It's just absolutely gone. If they dropped me an email in the week leading up to the game saying, yeah, this is off or just giving me an update because I've paid for that seat. I expect to be updated about it. It's just, there was just nothing there. So it's like, mm. what am I paying for? Yeah, it, it's, yeah, it's it just annoyed it's, me. It's
1: basic communication. You're right. If they're not going to do it, then just tell you that they're not going to do it. You know, it's, it's fine, but just tell you that they're not going to do it. And that's the thing Like you say, like, when's it going to be done? We've only got two weeks until the next time we're back at Villa Park, and, Well, it won't be done in that time and the fact is Mm. I'll I'll hedge a little bet with you right now that you'll be talking about this on the final day of the season and it still won't be done. I can guarantee you. I can guarantee you won't be done all season. You won't actually get an explanation as to why and I think that's where we fall down. It's like, you know, if, if if they want to call us this, we're paying customers and yet, we don't, get, we don't get the best communication. Um, it's something that's got to improve, if you ask me. It's got, it's got to improve. It's all well and good sending, you know, season tickets out and then sending out fancy packs with, uh, you know, notebooks and pens in. But, you know, fans need to have uh, appropriate communication. They need to have appropriate facilities when they visit Villa Park on a match day. And at the moment, I think the club are, are falling short of it, to be honest.
0: Yeah, we'll we we'll move on from that then. That we're not we're not moaning. That was just as, as match going fans to Villa Park. That was our experiences at the first game um of the season at Villa Park. So those are just our thoughts. I'll be interested to see, especially from upper Holt people as well, what, what they were thinking. So do let us know. Send us a message on Twitter or whatever, because I'll be interested to see what people were saying. Um we'll actually move on to a bit of actual villa stuff then. Let's talk about I'm gonna before we talk about the Everton game, I want to talk about some generic villa news, a bit of transfer chat as well. Um Aaron Ramsey to Burnley, that feels like it's been dragging on for ages. I mean, are we waiting till we play Burnley so we can't play against us? I'm, I'm not sure, yeah. but I think in terms of that transfer overall, then I think what what's the rumored fee is about fourteen million for someone who hasn't played in the Premier League or had a, a Premier League appearance. Off the top of me, I don't think he has. It's a pretty decent decent deal for all parties from there.
1: Yeah, do you know what? I'm really sitting on the fence about these deals. I think I think we'll get onto the other ones, but I think for Ramsey and the potential ones for. Like a Philogene and a, and a Cameron Archer kind of thing. Like, I sit on the fence with it. I understand why the club need to do it in terms of financial fair play. It gives you a lot of room to manoeuvre, and you know we, we're putting in an uh, you know, option to buy these players back, and so it sort of protects us in the future, kind of thing. But I'm on the other side of the fence as well, though, where I think you know like, it's a shame that these players were being developed by our academy, and then they're never ever getting the opportunity to actually play for us, and we're just sort of Sally them on, and I just, I just wonder about what message that sends to the other young lads in the academy. Like, does that, does that send a good message to them? Like, because Aston Villa was always renowned as a football club where, you know, there was, a, there was a pathway, there was a pathway for these young players where. Um, whether we're going to get game time in, in the first team kind of feels like there's a bit of a different strategy at the moment and I understand it. the club's got to be sustainable it needs to it needs to it needs to sell players it needs to make money to, to be sustainable I don't know I'm I'm a bit on the fence about it I, I understand it but I think also it's a little bit of a shame but I suppose if we are going to sell Ramsey it's not a bad deal I mean 14-15 million as you say for a player who's not played in the Premier League and Hopefully, we hold the cards in terms of bringing him back and stuff. You know, it it's, it, it doesn't sound like a bad deal, and it and it and I and I, and I and I suppose it's following the models of like in a smaller way of like a Chelsea or a Man City. You do this on the regular. Uh, These days, but um, I suppose it's the modern modern way, isn't it?
0: Yeah, I think the Ramsey and the Keenan Davis ones, them them going Keenan Davis to Hull. I think that makes sense. I think with the Philogene one, it'd be interesting to like find out what Villa's actual stance on that was. Would they actually have wanted to keep him? Because I think it's if it's a case of him wanting to go and play football. I think fair play to him. Do you reckon Villa? Wanted to ship him or would they have wanted to keep him? Because he he started, did he start every game in America? He looked bright in pre season. You could tell that he developed, you know, in the last couple of years. I remember him playing a a lot of pre season in 2021, that summer where Grealish went. I remember him playing a decent bit of football in that pre season as well. He's obviously come on leaps and bounds in in the last couple of years or so. Be interesting to see what what we actually wanted to do compared to what he wanted to do.
1: Well, I think it sounds like Emery wanted to keep him as a squad player in and around the squad, but obviously he couldn't guarantee that he'd be. Starting games. Um, Mm. I mean, he's not going to start over Diablo. He's not going to start over the likes of Mickey and Ramsey when he's fit. I think for me, it's like you look at the likes of like a Troyore on the bench yesterday and you think, I'd rather have had Philogene. But if he wants to go and play football, you know, first team football, then you You can only say fair play to him, and I think it's a little bit different with Philogene as well because he's obviously he's twenty one. He was quite a late developer because he, he was in that yeah. pro uh, pro direct soccer academy, uh, so he was quite a late developer really, uh, Philogene. And so maybe he feels that time isn't really on his side. You know, if he if he ends up on the bench of Villa and doesn't really develop in the next two years, he might think that his chance is sort of you know, disappeared sort of thing. So, I can can see from his point of view, to be honest. Um, I think Emery would have wanted to have kept him. But, like I say, we can't guarantee that first-team football for him. And and so, yeah, it looks like he's going to be moving on. But I think it's the fee as well. I think the fee seems quite low. They're talking about,
0: like, 5000000 million, aren't they?
1: So, again, I think it's a little bit of a shame. I'd have liked to have seen him given a chance, if I'm being honest.
0: Yeah, Nicolo Zaniolo then. One just quickly touch on that uh different kind of we talked about this didn't we kind of different profile player like he doesn't really have a set position again I'm not going to sit here and pretend I've watched him I haven't like this is just from various things that I've seen six foot three can play sort of across the front line winger behind the striker potentially up front as well worse comes it's an interesting sign in that is as well it's a pretty low risk uh deal as well it's obviously on loan there'll be a big like loan fee I'm sure with an option to buy as well it's another option, and that's definitely needed, especially with Wendy being out, uh, Coutinho looking to be out uh, after the weekend as well. But It looked like this is something that we were trying to do before those injuries, but yeah, an, an interesting signing.
1: Yeah, and I think I think the option I think the option thing is really like an obligation. I think if he plays a certain amount of games, he'll, right. he'll, he'll he'll end up becoming permanent anyway. And I would think that anyway. The way the way it's been done, it sounds like it's more of a permanent transfer. Um, but obviously, Villa are probably doing a bit of a a try maybe before you buy before he hits that 20 odd game, whatever it is mm. that it would trigger the the permanent deal um, because of his injuries in the past. But yeah, very different profile. He's, he's, he's a really big lad, isn't he? Six foot three. And he looks quite mm. direct, quite pacey, which is strange for such a, you know, a, a tall sort of forward player. So he'll add something different. Definitely. He's not the, he, he, I don't think we've got anything like, like that in the squad. So it will definitely add something different. And um. And yeah, it feels like a quite a typical Emery signing. Like he left Roma to uh, try and kickstart his career again at, at, um, at Galatasaray, and, he's, and he and he and he did that. But Emery likes these players where he works with them and builds them back up, doesn't he? He likes a bit of a, a challenge, mm. does Emery, and so.
0: I think it's it's like a, a
1: perfect Unai Emery type of signing, really. So,
0: yeah, looking forward to seeing him. Just quickly then, Luca Dean looks like he might be going out. Acuna from uh, Sevilla looks like he could be coming in as well. Luca Dean, it's always talked about he's is he the highest-paid player at the club. So, mm. a loan deal, if somebody's not willing to come in and buy him, a loan deal is probably the best we could have got with him. Yeah,
1: I think so. And, um, and, and this is what everyone's debating. Is it worth us letting him go on loan? But I think the way you've got to look at it is that if he's not the type of left-back Unai Emery, once and I think we all know he's not though like Luca Dean Luca Dean's not a bad option to have and I and I think mm. yesterday he played well yesterday but I think you've got to look at yesterday and think though would any left back have done fairly well yesterday though because of how much room Everton gave and that's not me Criticising Luka Dean, I think he's fine. I think he's been, I think he's been, I think he's been okay for us. I do, but he's got a lot of money. Um, and I think if he's not the type of left back that Unai Emery really wants, I think if you look at an Emery system, the type of left back he wants is the Morenos of this world or yeah. the Acunas of this world, who they're trying to buy from Sevilla, who's a bit more of an attacking fallback, and that's what he wants, Emery. You can obviously tell that. Um, so I think if Villa had a, had a, an option to, you know, put him in the shop window, he go on loan and they cover the majority of his, of his, of his wages, they won't cover all of it, but the majority, I think Villa will probably see it as the best deal they possibly could do, because the fact is Villa can't let him go on the cheap because he's still got a fair way to go on his contracts. And he signed mm. for 25, 26 million. Villa can't just, you know, just write it off and say, oh, off you go for, for five, six, seven million. It doesn't work like that. You know, it's why, it's why like Wesley ended up staying around for so long at Villa because he had a long term yeah. contract and we'd spent a lot of money on him and, if you sell him on the cheap it goes down as a loss on your ffp sheet so we'll see where he ends up next summer probably another loan to be fair but i thought he had a good game yesterday so if that does end up being his uh his final game in a villa shirt then then fair play to him because it was a, it was a good one
0: right then quickly i'm conscious we've got half hour into this podcast we have not mentioned everton once uh there's nine ten days left of the window how many more do you reckon one two what do you think
1: I don't know. I, I really don't know. I, I'd hope. I'd hope there would be two to three because I think the squad's looking a bit thin on the ground. To be mm-hmm. honest, I think uh, with the injuries of Mings and Buendia and now Coutinho is probably going to be out for a few weeks. I, I think. If, and if we sell in Villagin and it, we're talking about Cameron Archer going, it feels like we're really uh, short again. I mean, we had two goalies on the bench yesterday, and that was without yeah. the likes of um, Coutinho being injured or Archer going and so it does worry me a little bit and i've heard people say oh maybe there won't be any more incomings now at villa and you know maybe we're done and i just think god we're fighting on four fronts this season and mm. um i i'd be a bit concerned if there wasn't if there wasn't another couple two or three additions if i'm being honest i think another forward player if archer goes um i think we need a left back um, for sure obviously if Luca Dean goes um, so yeah I think two or
0: three it's annoying and it's so annoying with the injuries because like, I remember like watching us against Valencia and like you know you've got Mings in there and obviously if Ramsey and uh, Moreno were like fit and firing as well you'd think right bloody hell here like we're looking good like really strong depth but it's never that easy is it the Villa way like the two in like an injury on the eve of the Start of the season. Obviously, Ming's getting injured sort of twenty minutes into your big curtain raiser at Newcastle. It's it's such a shame. And then just Coutinho like yesterday as well. Like it wasn't even like our players are getting snapped in half by horrendous tackles. Like Coutinho, he just gets shoved off the ball like in the middle of the pitch yesterday, and he just pulls up and he looks like he can hardly walk. Like it's such a shame. It is a shame. So I think we need to sort of reassess our our transfer thinkings like in the last sort of ten days of this window. But I'm sure trust the process. Like it'll be okay. We we will always be fine. Uh, but let's get on to the Everton game then finally let's get on to it they were toothless weren't they I think this is like the perfect game that you wanted after that Newcastle game I think at home at Villa Park against Everton in August never really in doubt is it no it's the perfect fixture wasn't it I think after getting
1: getting a pacing from Newcastle last week I think we all said that Everton was the was the perfect uh, game to follow up with and uh and so it proved that I mean yeah you're right they were toothless they didn't really create hardly anything they, they had a maybe a couple of chances that Martinez uh, say both times, but um, yeah, they didn't create enough. I, I think I think it was a blow to, them to lose Calvert Lewin. Um, in the first, although they were poor before that's to be fair but I think it was a blow to them, for them to lose Calvert-Lewin and then lose Iwobi as well during the game but overall they just look poor don't they and I, I, I just worry for Everton I really do I think they've been hanging their hopes on Dominic Calvert-Lewin for such a yeah. long time now um, and I just think you clearly I feel sorry for him I do feel sorry for him because he's just come back from a you know, really long-term injury. Apparently, he's been looking the fittest he's ever been. And then he gets some sort of, like, concussion injury yesterday. So, like, I did feel sorry for him. It's like the odds of stats against him kind of thing. But you look at Everton, they're relying on when he's not available. They're relying on, like, Neil Moorepie or players like that. And it's going, to be, it's going to be a long season for Everton. And I think I said to you before the game, and this is not to, not to slag off Ashley Young by any means, but he's a good player when he's at right back. But when he's at left back, um, I'm I'm not convinced, to be honest with you.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure. I think defensively Everton are terrible. And if you can't score a goal either, you've got to really worry. I mean, they've been circling the drain for the last couple of years, and everybody says like it reminds them of what Villa were doing sort of what eight years ago when we were circling the drain for a couple of years as well and relying on Ben Take they haven't got a goal scorer like Ben Benteke. And I think it might just be the year for Everton. Like, yeah. oh, just come out of Villa Park and thinking like, oh, I can't remember the last time we had a team come here and were just that bad. They're absolutely terrible. But we'll talk about Villa. There's always positives. I know you can only beat what's in front of you. There's a cliche for you that you haven't heard. Um, but yeah, it, it was good, wasn't it? I think we'll talk about Bailey then. Because I, I we, Bailey gets a lot of stick and I think you stuck up for him and it's, it's good because at home, he's brilliant. Goal and assist yesterday, happy days. It's just, it's just a way. Like, how do you replicate that form into away games? It's annoying because you know there's a player there. That assist for the McGinn goal yesterday, really good. I know it was against Ashley Young, but he had him on toast. He used that right foot, got an assist. His goal later in the game. Just how do you replicate that form to away games? It's so frustrating because, like I said, we know he can do it.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's a bit of a weird one with Bailey, isn't it? Because he's, he's so, he, he does seem to be good at Villa Park, doesn't he? I, I said to you before the game that. You know, like you look at his, and I've been saying it for a long time that you look at his um, his his goal contributions last season. And they weren't bad. They, they weren't. They honestly weren't bad. Uh, but they all came at Villa Park, and so I expect him to have a decent game yesterday because he tends to play all right at Villa Park and so and I, and I thought it was that I thought it was actually his best game in a Villa shirt that I've seen I thought mm. n- not, not just going forward but also tracking back and defending he worked really hard yesterday Bailey did he linked up well with Diaby over that side um, he linked up well with McGinn when McGinn was moving over there as well and he was running at he was running at Everton yesterday and he was causing them yeah. a lot of problems and getting into those positions and it's really really frustrating because he He's a good player, you know Bailey. He's a really good player, um, but it's just that finding that level of consistency. And I heard Emery talking after the game. He was saying about how he'd had a bit of a stinker last week, Bailey, and yeah, mm-hmm. he'd come back fighting this week. But he need, but that is Bailey all over, isn't it? It's he needs to find that level of consistency, kind of like Diaby. Like Diaby was still good last week for us, even though we were rubbish, and yet yesterday. You know, he 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 was good again. Like he he's obviously he's able to find that level of consistency, while Bailey's never been able to do that. And I, I don't know why it is really. I, I, because our, how we play football doesn't really alter that much, whether at home or away. Under Emery, he likes to try and dominate the game.
0: Um, we still create chances away, don't we? I mean, even at Newcastle, we created chances. He just can't get in the game. So I, 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 it does baffle me a little bit about about how it's so different when we're away
1: from home, and that's got to be something he improves on. Because if he doesn't, he'll find himself out of the team away from home. He's, he, he will find himself out of the team. Because last week at Newcastle was especially poor. Um, but as we say, he was back, for, uh, like, you know, fighting, fighting yesterday,
0: and he was, and he was outstanding yeah he was good and he was involved in the penalty win as well it was him that nodded it down to Watkins and Pickford sort of comes out and I couldn't really tell at the time I think I knew it was a penalty um I think the referee I was looking at the referee because I didn't know whether it would cross the line or not lot from 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 my angle I couldn't really tell um, but he pointed to the spot and it was I mean I said it straight away on the video that it was similar to the, sort of the Onana thing for Man United against Wolves where he's come out the the ball was gone and he's just clattered the player like it was it was on his leg wasn't it like he catches Watkins leg and it's it's a penalty for me I'd like to get your thoughts on the uh Who's taking the penalty situation? I think Emery said that uh, McGinn and Louise had been train uh, taking the penalties in training, so Louise takes it, and it's a, a penalty that's spot on. So I think going forward, uh, he's got the job, hasn't he? Yeah, absolutely. I think
1: um, I think after Watkins missed the two penalties at the end of the season against Liverpool, and then in pre season against uh, Lazio, mm-hmm. I think it was he was going to be taken off them, to be honest. And yeah, he said louise mcgin were were, were were practicing them and yeah it makes sense doesn't it you know two players that strike the ball really well i'll be honest with you though from the north stand end i thought he'd missed it i did because i he hit it so <laughs> he hit it so like deep into the corner didn't he it looked like he was
0: going wide uh, from where yeah, i was Pickford sitting.
1: went the right way as well i was a little bit nervous <laughs> um but no top top penalty that's how you take a penalty without doubt here's
0: so. one for you though did did Remember in that West Brom penalty shootout, did McGinn take a penalty? I think he did. No, I can't d- remember. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. Did he not? No, no, he didn't. No. No, surprisingly. I can just imagine him, him taking a penalty, like, never in doubt with John McGinn.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I think I prefer Louise just because I think he's a bit more precise. Um, I love John McGinn, but I feel like he just absolutely smash it, uh, <laughs> and that sometimes what worries me with penalties because you can end up, you know,
0: absolutely launching it over the bar. Like like it's, a, like, it's like when a like a centre back takes a penalty or a goalkeeper takes a penalty. I remember Joe Hart took one. I don't know how I remember this in pre season. He, he, it was he took it like a goal kick and it went right in the top corner. Yeah, just worrying yeah, a little bit when it, when players do just smash it. it
1: reminds it. me of a uh, John. I remember years ago at Newcastle. I mean, another game we got beat six 0 Shock. Um, but John, but John Carew took a penalty. It was 0-0, actually. And John Carew took a penalty, and I'm fairly sure that ball is still orbiting around around the solar system. To be honest, it was it was that bad. Um, so that's what happens sometimes when you smash it. So yeah, no. But I, I'm quite happy with Louise. I quite I think he's quite precise. He's got a precise shot on him. So
0: yeah, he's he he's now got the. You know, he's, he's got the penalty duties, hasn't he? Yeah, he's clearly good on set pieces, isn't he? So I wouldn't, I mean, touch wood, this is going to come back and haunt us, but he, I wouldn't worry too much with Louise taking them. Um, Half-time then, I'm sort of thinking, right, looking at the goal difference here, because uh, we needed a couple more to sort of make it neutral. And we started off in the, the best possible fashion in the second half, didn't we? I think from Everton's point of view, you're probably thinking, you know, the old cliche, right, keep it tight at the start of the second half. And they absolutely gifted goal to us with that. Well, it's the horrible defending. It's a Villa throwing, isn't it? It's just Michael Keane sticks a leg out falls perfectly to Leon Bailey and he gets a goal on that right foot through Pickford happy days 3-0 absolutely job done at that point isn't it
1: yeah he, he had a he had a bad game Keane did didn't he he looked uh, he looked really poor yeah. and that was just schoolboy defending wasn't it just bounced off him and yeah just such an easy goal wasn't it and then even Bailey's shot wasn't particularly great and it just went through <laughs> just went through Pickford didn't it um, but yeah yeah you, you're right in terms of the goal difference it was it was an opportunity for Villa and one which we took wasn't it and to think a week on from Newcastle where we conceded you know, five goals to think that we're back on sort of level terms in terms of our goal difference is, uh, is is quite good, isn't it really?
0: Yeah, it's good. And then on the hour mark, I think Diaby, Bailey, Louise go off on 64 minutes to give them a bit of a rest because obviously the game's gone. Coutinho, Carlos, Yuri Tieleman's come on as well. Villa go through at the back like they did in that Newcastle game with Conns sort of moving over and, and Cash pushing a little bit further forward. And obviously on the, what was it just after the 70th minute, 75th minute, John Duran comes on. Here's a stat for you then. John Duran's goal was the quickest and Aston Villa Player has scored as a substitute since John Carew in 2009. Who was that against? Everton there you go Everton again that that John Duran goal like that was just the most Everton and John Duran goal I've ever seen Ashley Young of all people still thinking he was playing in Clara and Blue playing an absolutely horrific throwing by the way I think you've got to blame Ashley Young there That was I don't know oh, what definitely. he was thinking it was never getting there um, and John Duran nicks it his, his second touch is, is horrific John Duran but he luckily gets there slots it away and I, I said this after John Duran scored I was thinking do you remember when uh, we played Liverpool in the cup and they played all their kids because the team at the, the World Cup yeah. and Wesley scored yeah. to make it 5-0. And I was just celebrating just like that because I was so relieved for the player just to score. Just like that night against Liverpool, Wesley scoring, I was so relieved for him. Mm. Just similar to this this John Duran goal, just because getting your first goal for Villa, like in the it's, it's been quite a while since he's come. I know he's only played literally about 120 minutes for the club, but he's been here since January just to get that first goal. It was massive for him, and you could tell how much he enjoyed it.
1: Yeah, it was huge for him, and uh, reminds of, um, it reminds me of it reminds me of the last Colombian to play for Villa and his journey to getting his first goal when Angel joined us, <laughs> and he couldn't hit a barn door. Um, I mean, to be fair, to, to be fair to Duran, he hasn't played anywhere near as many minutes as Angel did um, in that half a season. But yeah, I remember when Angel uh, came, he couldn't hit a barn door, and then on the final game against Coventry, when we relegated them, he, uh, he <laughs> scored and people were that jubilant. And it wasn't even about equalizing against Coventry. People were that jubilant because it was Angel that scored. People were on the yeah. pitch literally celebrating with him. Um, <laughs> so it reminded me of that. It just, but you're right. It was the most Durant, John Durant goal ever, wasn't it? He's like a, he's like an excited sort of like puppy, isn't he? When he comes on, he's like, yeah. he's like, it reminds me like how like me or you or any other supporters would play. if We got our <laughs> opportunity uh, to, to play in a, in a, Premier League game for Villa and um, like yeah the throw in from Ashley Young was dreadful and I think it summed up Ashley Young's afternoon to be honest I think mm-hmm. I think Leon Bailey had him on toast all game which I'm quite surprised about I, I you'd think Ashley Young would would you know 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 a bit too much about him to, to be able to sort of mark him out yeah. the game but I thought he had a really tough afternoon and uh, that throw in just um, just summed it all up really and yeah, straight fired it straight towards Keane. He was never getting there, and then obviously Duran takes an absolute horrific touch. Um, but I think the touch, <laughs> I think the touch actually helps him though because of Pickford came. No choice but to hit it. Pickford yeah. come rushes out at a different angle, and Duran just hits it. And <laughs> it was a good finish at the end, to be fair to. Him. But um, but yeah, it was nice.
0: It was really nice to see. it. Yeah, definitely. He made a, a crunching tackle. I don't know if you noticed it as well. I think it was like towards the halt end. He came sprinting back. I don't know who it was on, but he made a crunching tackle as well John Duran you're right he's just a bit of a live wire and he's got something about him and he's still so so young I know he's built like a brick shit house but he's still so young and he's got so much about him and it says a lot actually when he brings when Unai Emery brings on John Duran instead of Cam Archer Mm. and you could just tell by just the body language of Duran compared to Cam Archer like I don't know. Like at the start of the season, were you thinking, "Well, oh, Cameron Archer's going to be the second choice here." But looking on on yesterday's sort of antics, I don't know. I think Duran's got that so, sort of second choice going forward. For now, anyway, I'm saying this on the 21st of August. I don't know what's going to happen in the rest of the window, but as it stands, John Duran is, is the second choice, isn't he? Really?
1: Yeah, and that's and that surprised me a little bit. I thought if you'd have asked me a few weeks ago, I I, I think I would have said Cameron Archer will probably be, uh, mm. you know, your backup to Ollie Watkins. But yeah, I don't know what it is. I, I, maybe Emery just doesn't fancy. Archer in in the system that we play. I mean, the one thing I always say to you when Archer's played over pre season is that I just don't feel like he gets involved uh, enough. To be honest, it, it you know, like when we were watching play for like Middlesbrough or Preston, it felt like he was involved in the game a lot more. But and yeah. he plays for us. I don't know. It just feels like he's not really in the game, kind of thing. Then yeah, and I think and I. I, you know, I feel a, I feel a bit for him. You know, he's he must be thinking, what more do I have to do? You know, he's he's gone on loan twice and performed really well at championship level, top end championship level at Middlesbrough too, and he comes back to Villa and he still can't really get a look in, even as a second striker. And so, I can understand him feeling disappointed. He's still a young lad, and I can understand his uh, his his body language not really being quite on point compared to to, to John Duran, but. Yeah, it's um, it's a hard one for Archer. He, he obviously needs a move, doesn't he? He needs a move to yeah. to, to to play to, to play. play regularly, and hopefully he can find that in the Premier League because I think he's a good player. He's, he's 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 a good goal scorer. Um, but he's just going to find it tough at the Villa because, like I say, he's got Ollie Watkins in front of him, and no one's getting in front of Ollie Watkins. Let's be totally honest about it. And then I do wonder whether he's he's the type of player that every once i don't know
0: in the right team i think there's a serious player there i think he's he's just got to find it um here's a question for you what did you make of the uh the injury time nine minutes in the first half nine minutes in the second half i think in the first half especially i was like nine minutes hate where, it where, 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 <laughs> where on earth does that come from nine minutes i mean yeah. christ we we're in the stage until about 10 past four and kickoff was two o'clock like yeah it was wild i think like i get it i get the rule i get it but that was over the top
1: I absolutely hate it. I think it's ridiculous. I think, it, <laughs> I think it's absolutely ridiculous. Um, uh, you know, end of the first half, it probably should have been four, four, five minutes because of yes. because of the Calvert Lewin f- uh, thing and Martin's had some treatment, etc. And then second half probably similar, four or five minutes because of Coutinho being down. But we played eighteen extra minutes. Like, like what? Like like a quarter of the game again. Like, like, is it injury time or is it throwing well, it's time? Every, it's like, just uh, everything, isn't it? And it's like all these think, sub, all the substitutions, which again is a, you know what I feel about all these substitutions as well. Absolutely hate them. Um, and and this is the problem like, that Everyone was saying last season, oh yeah, it's, it's a good thing though now, because like, we, we're a better side and we've got a bigger squad. It's a good thing, this five-sub thing. And I remember saying, yeah, but it'll bring along other problems though. And the one problem it did bring along, and I'm not saying it was the sole factor in why they made this rule change, but it, but it's added to it, is that it takes ages now for people to get substituted and I know we say, "Oh well, you know, we we can still only do it in three intervals." Yeah, we can, but it's like multiple players going on and off constantly, um, and it mm. and it adds it adds to your added on time. And I, you know what, though, it, I, I was saying to my brother, of the game, I can't see it sticking. I, I just can't see it sticking, and I know they're saying it, it's gonna. Uh, but it's the very start of the season, and I've just got a feeling it won't stick eventually because I just think it's ridiculous, and and I think it's also a shame in terms of in terms of like excitement for the Premier League as well. Because do you remember the days when you used to have like say three added on minutes, and a team yeah. would equalise in the ninety second minute, ninety third minute. It kind of feels like we won't get that these like that now though with this nine ten minutes added, eleven minutes added on. It just feels like it feels like teams will just peter out as they're playing for so long. I don't know, it, well, that's
0: what it felt like yesterday yeah, didn't it it, it really felt like the game petered out like i've never heard villa parks so quiet sort of seven minutes into that after the 90 it just everyone was like those people going, but every, you could tell villa it was like walking football wasn't it villa and yeah. Everton were just waiting for the final whistle villa park was dead silent everyone was just stumbling around everyone was like just just do it here like it, it was ridiculous i
1: just uh, it's it's I just think it's stupid I think it's a stupid rule um, along with all the other rules that they've made this season I just think who who's come up with these rules I think they've all been sitting in a room and just thought oh, let's bring in some rules for rules sake I mean what's this thing
0: about there can only be one person standing up on the touchline as well what's all that about? I think do you know what I think there's bigger issues like for God's yeah. sake it was match week one last week and Onana clattered some Wolves player and the PGMOL whatever it is had to come out and apologise and say we made a mistake and the referees got suspended for a week and that's match week one one that is match week one and we're seeing that sort of shambles so all this bollocks about injury time and who can stand up it's like is that really really the priority really
1: yeah and then you've got a referee yesterday who was handing out yellow cards like they were sweets I mean Cameron Archer (laughs) Cameron Archer barely did anything oh that was bonkers He got booked um, it, it it feels like we're just booking players now for like for like f- first fouls, and they're not even like cynical challenges or anything like that. It, it feels mad, but do you know what? Though it, it, this will change. Though I can guarantee it will change. And do you know when it will change? It will change when a big decision goes against one of the big teams, for instance, yeah. like a goalkeeper, like for instance, like a Nana or or whoever, or like a Ramsdale, get sent off after 38 minutes because, number one, he's made a tackle, the number two, he's, I don't know, say he's time wasted or something like that. Something yeah. will happen, I can guarantee you, or someone's kicked the ball away and, and then they end up getting sent off. I can guarantee you something will happen um, to one of these big clubs and there'll all be a massive like, thing about
0: it and then it'll change. I can guarantee you it will yep. do because... Not if it happens to a Fulham versus Palace. Everyone just forget about it. It's when it will happen to to Liverpool or something.
1: Yeah, of course it will. And, you know, it won't take much. I'm telling you, it won't take much. But I just think all this yellow card thing is ridiculous. And, again, I said to somebody yesterday, I said, God, if this is what we're having, we're going to have players suspended all the time. We're going to reach the threshold of five yellow cards. Like They're going to reach that very, very quickly, aren't they? I mean... Douglas Louise was booked yesterday for literally the first challenge again, and that one one oh. was the one. Well, you wouldn't have booked him like last season for that. I, I just, I don't know. I think the rule changes for me just feel bizarre. You know, I I, I don't mind the ones about when they're giving the ref, you know, like extreme dissents. I don't mind that because you shouldn't be doing that. You, you shouldn't the ref. You know, at the end of the day, respect. You need to respect the referee, and I've said that for a while. That footballers need to be mindful that they are sort of. You know, you know idols in kids in in kids' heads and big figures, yeah. and you hear the problems at grassroots level, don't you? And so I'm not against yeah. that. I'm not against you, know, you should you should talk you should talk with, with with respect to a referee. I totally get that. And so I'm not against that one. But I think all these other ones are just absolutely pointless
0: and how many times did the ball hit Anthony Taylor on Sunday like why was he just in the way all the time (laughs) like once or twice I get it but for God's sake he was like Everton's best midfielder it was ridiculous mate and then the thing that (laughs) that really winds me and you up and if anyone's ever around us at a game I'm sure you would be able to tell When the ball goes out for a throw-in and the linesman just looks at the referee and Mm -hmm. vice versa, it's like, are you joking? And it's such an obvious decision as well. Like I admit a couple of times and I was just screaming, like, make a decision. It's so infuriating. Like These guys, it's their job to put the flag up when the ball goes out for a throw-in and they ain't got a clue and it's the most annoying thing in the world. But there's our little rant about officials. Hopefully something will change, but just the injury time and all that sort of stuff, it's just mental. But just to round off the podcast then quickly, let's talk a little bit about Hibs then. I'm absolutely gutted uh, that I can't make the game. Uh, basically it's all work commitments and things like that like I was able to go if the game was on the Thursday but now it's been moved to the uh, Wednesday because Hart scored a 93rd minute winner which I'm still a little bit annoyed about I won't be able to make the game unfortunately but you'll be making the trip up to Edinburgh won't you mate it's a beautiful city I really really like Edinburgh um, so I'm sure you're looking forward to it should be a good day first trip uh, in Europe to Scotland bet you're buzzing aren't you I am yeah it should be good I'm looking forward to it um Feels like
1: his typical Villa. We took we fifteen years to get back into Europe, and in our first the uh, <laughs> our first games in Scotland. Um, yeah, I'm hoping we go pretty strong. I'm hoping we get a lead and take it back to Villa Park for the second leg. Re- ideally, I think that would be the ideal scenario. Really, um, don't wanna. You know, you, I don't think we want to go there with a weakened side and get rolled over 2-0 and then have to yes. bring you back to Villa Park. I, I think that would be the worst case scenario if we had to do that because we'd probably find that out if we did that. Um, so, let's take it serious, put a fairly strong side out and let's bring it back to Villa Park. And But yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It should be good. First time in, well, first time in a very long time. So, yeah, it should be. it should be good. And then, you know, hopefully, it just felt all a bit rushed, obviously, because the we didn't know who we were playing until what was it last Thursday. And so everything's felt very, very rushed. And so, you know, hopefully, if we can make it through Hibbs, you know, we'll have a little bit more time to plan the other aways. Um, because obviously we'll, we'll know a lot more in advance kind of thing. Mm. So,
0: yeah. But no, it'll
1: it'll be really good, yeah.
0: Yeah, I'd absolutely go strong as well. I think everybody's talking about Villa being back in Europe. Well, we're not actually. We need to get through Hibs first. So I think I'd go strong. I think if it was me, personally, I'd play your likes of Oli Watkins, Emmy uh, Martinez. Yeah. I'd probably play them. I think you're probably going to see uh, Robin Olsen come in. I'm not against Yuri Seleman's coming in. I'm not against that at all. I'd probably do that. Diego Carlos, Chambers, Duran potentially. Mm. I think... You go strong. I don't think I'd make that many changes. I, I, no, I'm i not no. against the Telemans coming in. I'm not
1: against even like a Carlos coming in. Um, I wouldn't make any more change than that, I don't think, if I'm being honest. Like,
0: I think just just for Ollie Watkins as well, I think this would be so... Because he hasn't scored in the first couple of games. Everybody's talking about he had a bit of an off day against Everton, which he did. He wasn't great. He's allowed an off day. But I think this is the perfect game. Like, Get him a goal or two. Easier said than done, I know. But they're a weaker side. They are. There's no beating around the bush. We should beat Hibs. I think I'd start Ollie Watkins. Just get him a goal. Get the confidence going patterns of play, just get the confidence going throughout the whole team and then just take that into Burnley on the weekend?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I I just think, I just think you've got to go strong. I mean, we've all seen it in years gone by when we've been dumped out of the League Cup or FA Cup because we fielded a week inside. But, and, and I, I just think back to that Stevenage game, but Stevenage is not the only one there has been a lot, mm. there's been a lot more in, re- in recent years and, you know, years gone by. But, you, you look at a team on paper and you think, well, that team will still should still beat Stevenage or whatever um but it's always the thing if you if you disrupt a team too much and make too many changes um you yeah. can sometimes have a have a big impact because remember Hibs will be playing their first eleven now, even if Hibs aren't as good as we are, we know they're not but but if they have a, if they have their first eleven versus us who've got a a bit of a disjointed team it it straight away gives them a little bit of an advantage that some of the players don't quite know. You know how to play with each other, etc., etc., etc. We haven't got much of a, a pattern of play. So yeah, I think Wat- you're right. Watkins gives him a chance to get on the score sheet, build his confidence back up again. But yeah, I think I think you're right. We we need to go strong,
0: and we will. I'm sure. I'm sure we'll be absolutely fine. Take a nice little two 0 lead back to Villa Park and bring those European nights back. Because I've never experienced it. I'm really looking forward to the Hibs game at Villa Park. It'll be a great experience. Like I said, I've never experienced a, a European night. So if we get through that, hopefully there'll be plenty more to come. But mate have a brilliant time in Edinburgh uh, there you. won't be a video on Villa on Tour for that because uh, like I said I'm not going I'm absolutely devastated about it first game I've missed actually since I think uh, the Chelsea away game in the cup where Cam Archer scored that header I haven't missed a game since then so I am gutted um, but I'm sure you and all the other Villa fans will have an absolute blast up there because like I said Edinburgh is a fantastic city and will bring uh, the result back to Villa Park as well uh, but any final words mate everything's looking a little bit more positive now uh, compared to this time last week isn't it so everything's, everything's and everyone is in a good place, apart from those on the uh, the injury table.
1: Yeah, it is. I'm just hoping that by this time next week, we have a bit more of an idea of, uh, you know, are we going to be strengthening in the trans in the transfer market before the end of it. Mm. I just, I just, it's my only worry. I think it is my only worry. I know we can't go out and spend willy nilly. I understand it, but I just, I just worries me that we've got, like I say, we've got four competitions that we're that we're in this season, and um, I'm not sure the squad is is big enough or strong enough at the moment to be able to take that. And so I feel a little bit nervous, feel a little bit nervous about that, but I'm hoping that the next week Munchie can sort of work his magic and get the two, two or three through the door.
0: We shall see. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. Really do appreciate the support, as always. Please do subscribe on uh, whatever platform you're listening on, whether that's Apple, Spotify, whatever it is. Please do subscribe so you never miss an episode as well. Please do leave a review because it really helps out the podcast. As always, leave five stars, whatever the, the deal is, on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. Please do leave us a good review. It's very much appreciated. Go and check out all the videos on the Villa On Tour YouTube channel. And the next time I will see you, will be in Burnley on the weekend. Up the Villa.